So sometimes you will get into a situation or situations that you don't like mm-hmm. or are not comfortable. That could be a turning point for you as well, knowing whether you should continue or move back. So these things will come up. So you really have to be aware of who you are really and stand your ground, I'd say. I see the walls before me. I feel the cages forming. Seems like the world is falling, but I keep my head up the ground. I see the world before me. I know what change is coming. I hear the world is calling, so I keep my head up the ground. We break into everything. We break into everything. Hello and welcome to the Barrier Breakers Corner, where we shift mindsets around various topics such as family, finance, relationships, dreams and visions, and most importantly, opportunities and how to walk into them. We want to annihilate the assumption that we cannot break barriers. Let me tell you this today. There is more on the other side of you breaking that barrier that you would never know unless you do. We break into everything. Hello and welcome to the Barrier Breakers Corner where we step out on faith and defy the odds. I am your host, Joyce Donker. Today we have an amazing guest. She's our Barrier Breaker of the month of April 2022. She's none other than Kumbel Good Akibogun. She is privately working for a fintech company and she graduated from the University of Warwick, UK with a master's in international technology management and has a BSc in computer science from the University of the Gambia. She also is the founder of Crash, which started in 2022. I am so glad that she's here and able to join us. Please, Miss Good Akibogun, can you... Introduce yourself. Hi, Joyce. Thank you so much for having me. Firstly, as you said, basically, <laughs> it's a quick summary of what I do, and I think it covers everything. So I'm Kumbel Good Akibogon. Currently, I work for a fintech company here in the Gambia. Prior to that, I was working at an international organization as a grants officer. Before that as well, I was also in the tech industry in my previous work, previous employment. So I think all in all, now that I think about it, I've probably maybe had, this might sound small to everybody else, but it's a big deal for me. But I have now have, as of this year, 10 years work experience. (laughs) (laughs) So I am excited about that. So pardon me if I keep bringing it up. No, that's good. I also did my bachelor's degree in computer science at the University of the Gambia. After that, I got a scholarship, a shipping scholarship award to do my master's at the University of Warwick in UK. As I have been working full time, I've also engaged myself in private business that I own, which is Crash. Crash basically focuses on offering organic skincare products using aloe vera as a base. That's amazing. So let's start from the beginning. Have you always wanted to do IT? Okay, so I know everybody expects me to say yes, but the truth is no, I didn't. (laughs) I think I just fell into the field, honestly. Sometimes I think it's fate or it's destiny. I don't know whatever name people want to call it. But I actually went to the university for something else. Wow. But before I left, I had (laughs) registered to be at the computer science department. And I would say initially it was a struggle. I really didn't know that it was an option at the university. When I was here doing the registration is when they actually told me what the cause is. 
and that it's recently started. In fact, the first batch of students hadn't even graduated yet at that point. Oh, wow. So it was relatively new the time I was joining. So, I mean, I got my orientation then and there, and that's where I registered. Initially, that was not the plan. Before I left, like I said, I was already registered as a computer science student here. Okay. So back in high school, what class were you in? So I was in the science stream. You know, here in Gambia, it's commerce and science, yeah. Yeah. Like we've just been locked into these three categories. But... Right. <laughs> so I was in the science field and the dream then was to be a pediatrician for university and all that. But the more that I think about it now, I know that that wouldn't have been the best thing for me. Yeah. Because... Even little things set me off, all that stuff. I know every medical student would say, oh, you get used to it, but I don't think I ever would have. Now that I think about it, I think it was a good thing that I didn't jump into that field as well. Yeah. So usually people would think, oh, I regret not taking this journey, but that is not this one. I think sometimes, especially in Gambia, well, I guess in Africa, it's hard when you're in university because there's so much, just little that we can do. Mm -hmm. And and that's why we are longed into those three classes, arts, commerce, and science. Because for me, when I was going to high school, I was like, I don't want to be a doctor. I don't want to be a lawyer. Because, you know, those are the things that they were always drilling in you. You have to be a doctor or you have to be a lawyer. And I knew I was not going to be any of those. I didn't want that. I was not good at science. <laughs> For me to even have a C in Wayek, I was like, uh, hello. Miss <laughs> God's grace. <laughs> exactly. I was like, thank God. Like I had a C. I thought I was going to have an F because I've been having an F, a D, an E all the through our middle school, high school. So for me to have a C in science, I was like, wow, girl, you did it. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so I think it was the same around. I mean, usually, like you said, when you're in science, you're expected to be a doctor or a nurse. In fact, the first choice is a doctor. If you're in arts, a lawyer or a journalist, if you're in commerce, an accountant, like it was already defined because that's the mentality I had at that point. My first option was doctor. Mm -hmm. So when I went to university and I received more information, I sort of shifted at that point. Even though I still had the back of my mind, oh, maybe I can just do this and then switch back, which of course never happened. But going to the university and hearing the options at that point that were available, I think sort of steered me to the path that I was on. And I would say at the beginning, it was quite hard. Like I mentioned, I didn't have a lot of background information on and you get into it. Yeah. And I think I was in a class of maybe like 25. There were probably about five females there, I think. For almost all of us, we didn't know each other straight from high school, getting into the university. So for one, it was quite intimidating and knew the area. So it was hard in the beginning for me to stabilize myself. One thing that also did not help me was the fact that every time somebody mentioned computer science, they kept saying, oh, you're a great programmer. Oh, you should dismantle this computer and reassemble it back. (laughs) That just gave me more anxiety. I just freaked me out because I knew that that was not my skill. Like I would do the classes because it's a requirement. I have to do programming. I have to do a lesson on hardware. But the more I spoke to people about the course I'm doing and the more they kept saying, you should know how to program, the more I felt like, okay, maybe I'm not doing something right here. (laughs) So that for a while, it did not help me settle into the university environment much. And the fact that Most people would assume that, oh, this is a guy's thing. That's why guys will be more successful in it. And it's not a girl thing. That's why females would not be that successful in it. Yeah. But I think the more they said that, the more I wanted to prove everybody else. Prove them wrong. Exactly. 
So I did well with the programming lessons that I was given. I passed all of them. Every class that I went to, I tried my best. I gave it my all just because the conception was, oh, as females, we are not able to do this. I think it was the same as well because the circle of individuals I was friends with around there, it was also the same misconception. They were also given that this was a guy thing. And it's amazing our journey now because... It's the three of us that we're closest, I guess, amongst everybody else. And all three of us are flourishing in tech in different areas. So just thinking about the journey that we have had and how far it has brought us and where we are now. In fact, sometimes when we meet up with former classmates and they ask, oh, what are you doing? Oh, how's that your friend? And I keep telling them what we are on about. You can see the look of, oh, so they stuck it out, did they? Like <laughs> the look of surprise. So it was a intense four years. It was humbling as well. And I definitely would not take back any aspect of it. And the fact is that even though I was at the university having full-time lessons, I also tried to engage myself in clubs and associations at the university. And I think the most exciting one was when we were introduced to the debate association of the university. I mean, if you haven't noticed, I love to talk a lot. <laughs> Here we are. When that association started, I was like, this is it. Like, <laughs> let me just get myself comfortable here. Being in the debate association, being an executive of the student union at that point, and then doing my full-time studies, I think all of that just fit in perfectly into my life after the university. Because every aspect of that, whether it was the student union, whether it was the debate association, whether it was just my colleagues at my, the computer science department, everything just fits in. At that point, everything just looked diverse. Like my friends would keep telling me, Come on, do you have time to rest? Like you're jumping from one club to another or for one assignment to another. Like you're just all over the place. <laughs> that involvement is so important. And I was just thinking about it just before the interview. And I was like, if you are out there and you feel like you don't know your purpose, you don't know what to do, try and join all these clubs and community. Maybe not all of them, but find one or two. For me, it was more of being involved in church activities and that was more into the youth. And I found myself wherever I went, I was drawn to youth. And that's why I feel like that has helped me birth Barabricus Corner because getting myself involved in all this work that had to do with young people. And I love being with young people. Like some of my friends are like five years younger than me. <laughs> yeah. Or seven years younger than me. Or I'm someone that I'm even close to that I'm drawn to a common and talk to me are uh, like 10 years younger than me and they are drawn to me because I love being around them and so they found someone that they can always talk to and so when I was in school it was more of being involved in SEO I wasn't even that active because my parents didn't allow me to even be going out just anyhow and going for all these programs and things but one thing I knew they'd love because they're pastors, if I said I'm going to church, that was it, like that was fine. And so getting myself involved with children ministry and youth ministry, and even when I went out to London to study, I was being involved in children ministry and a little bit of the youth. And then coming to U.S. as well, the same thing. So it was just me drawn to that. And when I came back to Gambia from studying, I was like the youth because of what, how much I'd seen our youth in church in London excel. So I was like, I want to see our youth back home excel as well. And we're a little grounded because children ministry in our church back home is really, really grounded. And so coming to our youth, we're a little grounded. I wanted to see more things done. And so I had to put strategy and plans together. And until I was made youth president, just getting activities involved. So I see myself getting involved. There's so much youth things. And even until now, my friends would be like, always busy, just like you're saying. <laughs> yeah. 
You're always doing something. You're always doing something, but because that's what I love to do. And yes, I need to draw boundaries and rest as well, because if I'm not resting, my creativity is just going to be zero. So that I know I have to do. But if you're out there and you're like, I have no purpose, I don't know what to do. Try and find a club, try and find a community where you can put in a work. Don't look for position, like <laughs> don't go looking for, I want to be the manager. I want to be the best. I want to, no, go and just humble yourself and start from anywhere, everywhere. And just see what you can do to help. Because if you don't love that place, you might find another place. So again, like one, two, three places that you can get involved in and then start from there before you realize, yeah, you find your purpose and you'll be like, this is what I love to do. And maybe that's where you go and study in. And talking about studies, or like we said earlier in Gambia, you have three places that you are being put into. And I was saying that we have very little much opportunities to learn and know different things. But even here with there's so many things to explore, you find young people finding it hard to find purpose. Like, I don't get it. They're <laughs> complaining that if I have this opportunity, this is what I will do. Yeah. And then here you are in another country. They have so much and they are still not figuring out what they want to do. Some people will go all the way. I was watching this movie. The parents spent so much for her to do a course. And then after she had finished halfway through, she's like, I don't want to do it. And the parents are like, but I spent so much money. You have to refund me my money. What is it? Like, and they're still figuring out what they want to do. I feel like if you have proper guidance, you'll be able to go. And for me, when I was in ninth grade, I knew I was confused. I didn't want to be a doctor. I didn't want to be a lawyer. I was like, God, you need to help me here. And for the whole year in ninth grade, I'll find the time and just pray to God, direct me to the grade that you want me to go direct me. And now I'm in a business field. I'm not an accountant. I don't want to be an accountant. My dad tried to push me to do ACC and I'm like, nah. But going to uni, I found that there were so many things that you could do in the business world, the finances. I didn't even know anything about audit until I started working in the audit department. And I love the audit department. And I feel like that's God uttering my steps. And even until now, I'm still doing audit. And that's why I'm so critical when it comes to my because kind of because I'm like, okay, what is it I'm doing? I'm always inspecting and checking things out. Like it has become part of me able to audit different fields. You can be in the hospital and be doing auditing. You can be in a tech company and be in audit. Like there's so many places you can be doing audit in and it's very, very diverse. So whatever faith you are in, just keep praying and ask God to order your steps. And when opportunities come knocking, when you see some advert or something that says, hey, we need some help here, or even just even sponsoring something, it's part of you just wanting to see how you can be of help in the community. You find out that it will bring you into alignment to where you need to be. I'm so grateful for this story. And I just wanted to bring it out there because some people feel like I don't have any purpose. I don't know what to do. I went into this field. Like even from the time in, in high school, when I finished high school, people in science class were working in the bank. And I'm thinking, <laughs> you went to science. What are you doing in the bank? Leave that for us. <laughs> Leave that for us in the business. You're taking our jobs from us. That's exactly what happened. Like in high school, we had a smaller class of those that were in science field at the school that I was. A class of 15 or 20, I think we were in science. And out of that 15, almost all of us wanted to be doctors or nurses or something in the medical field, basically. But I think I can confirm that maybe one or if there's even one that's still in the medical field, like either way in business or IT still constitutes as science, but not medical. Yeah. At this point, I don't even think that out of that 15, there's anybody that's in the medical field. Like we've all just got our diverse spaces 
And I think just what you said, it comes back to options because at that point, that's all we knew. If you were inside, it's medical. If you went out, this and that. If you were in commerce, that's what is expected yeah. of you. But I think what was really helpful, like I said, when I went to the university and I had that this was an option, that it's not just going into the medical field, but there are other options. And I finally got into this. And even when I got to the IT field, and I saw the opportunities, how diverse the industry was. Yeah. It was ridiculous. So the more people kept telling me, oh, you're in IT, you're in doing computer science. So you should program. You should be able to fix a computer. I'm like, I understand because at some point that was my mentality as well. But until you get to a point where you're able to see that just because it says computer science doesn't mean it's limited to this. You can actually find out there's so many things you can do under that field that at this point is limitless. And only if people knew that in every field, there's so much diversity that you don't have to conform yourself to one. There's so many things. That helped a lot. As I grew and I found out more about ComSci and technology in general and the different fields, I think that is where I started to get comfortable in my study. That's where I knew, okay, this is me then. This fits well. Because in the beginning, like I said, even though I was in there, but it was kind of a challenge. But the more I realized the opportunities that are in there and how diverse it was, that's where I was able to, I guess, settle into the field really. And I'm laughing so much about the IT the way they're telling you that you can program this or fix this laptop or computer. Because I went for a party about two years ago, you know, background, getting ready. And then there was something that the host was trying to get sorted on just Word document or something. We did to just print out something. And there was this IT expert and he goes, oh, you're the IT expert. You can do this. <laughs> So it's like, no, the fact that I'm in IT doesn't mean I can come and just fix anything on Word document and, exactly. and send it to you, no. <laughs> it doesn't work that way. <laughs> and I wanted to say that also in high school, I think maybe the teachers also are not that exposed. Because, you know, if someone is so good, has very good grades, they're like, oh, you have to be in a science class. You're so good. Your maths was really, really good. Your science was really, really good. Can you ask the person, like the student, what do you want to be? I know some students don't really know. But can you ask them what they want to be so that you know where you're taking them? Because now there are a lot of students in science or arts or commerce and none of them are in those fields. I even have a friend that was in commerce that wanted to do arts, but the parents are like, if you're not going to do commerce, that's it. And after high school, all their life is about arts and being in the arts field and not journalism or per se, but just being in this entertainment industry. And I'm like, look at that. You spend so much money on letting the person be in business. It's good. I mean, being in the entertainment field, you have to have a business background or something because obviously negotiation, finances, money, you know, you have to talk about that. But getting into that, I think will have helped him more to become a better person in that field or would have taken him further into different spaces. Our parents as well have to listen to what their kids want at the end of the day. You know, we've heard stories where young people followed what their parents wanted. And when they finished their university, they came back and said, well, here's the certificate. Mom, you paid for this. I'm not going to do what I want to do. And you wasted so much money. So anyway, <laughs> enough of the IT talk. Are you still doing IT right now where you work? Yes. So the place I work now is mainly a fintech company, like financial technology. So basically using technology and innovation to sort of complement traditional financial methods. If somebody wants to go do money transfer, as opposed to walking into the bank, withdrawing the cash, taking that cash physically to another bank, they put like all that. 
you can do it now easily with digital mobile wallets or mobile money, those type of things. Oh, that's good. And that's just an example. Oh, okay. I left the field for a while, but I'm back in it now with the place that I'm working. And it's quite exciting. I'm really excited about the journey and things that are possible here in the Gambia. I know the digital literacy lead here in Gambia is quite low. So it's sometimes a challenge, but I think we're getting there. The more aware we are, the more advanced we get. Well, mainly in the urban communities, of course, but I think we can get there. And it's high time we start using these technological advancements, I'd say, even though we might not be as advanced as other countries as we would want to be in the Gambia. But I guess we can start from somewhere. And some of these is how we can adopting technology in the ways we work. I know most offices you go into now, we're still having mountains and mountains of paperwork, of paperwork. Not saying that others don't, but I mean, there should be another way of preserving such information because there's so much information that gets lost in those type of things and those way of recording. Yeah. I mean, for most of them, you can't even analyze the data that is being stored because it's hard copy because it's in a file somewhere. I'm excited to be back in the industry. I can't wait for us to get to that point where it's like paperless. It's going to take some time. Yeah, but we'll get there. So in 2016, you received the prestigious Shevinin Scholarship. <laughs> How did you feel like, what's the process? Did you ever think that you wanted to get this scholarship? Did you desire to go out of the country to study and this is where you wanted to go? How was the process like? How did you feel? Around October, November, usually there's call for applications for Shevinin Award. So it's usually done by the Foreign and Commonwealth Office and they give us fully paid scholarship to individuals in different countries, Gambia being one of them. It's quite a rigorous process. The application is one that the interview is one that waiting for the shortlisting and all of that. But once you get it, for somebody that wants to pursue a master's, it is one of the best avenues. So I got it during my second time of applying. So that's why they say, if you have a dream, don't give up yet. Mm, right. I tried once. I can't remember even which year to do my master's. I didn't get it that year. In fact, I got rejected in like the first <laughs> month or so. <laughs> Because they filter, because they receive so many applications, they go through different levels of filtering the applicants. So within the first month, I think I got the rejection email that I didn't make it, but I could try. I was pissed about that, I would say. The year after that one, it came out again and I did see it and I'm like, I'm not going to apply. It's so hard. I can't do it. I don't know if I meet the requirements. Like I started doubting myself so much. I just watched the application period pass me by like that and I didn't apply. Then the third year, I saw it. I was thinking maybe I should give it a try, but I was not 100% sure. But then friends started sending me the link. I think about two or three people shared it. And I'm like, okay, maybe I can't just give it a try. I mean, what am I losing really by trying? That one time that I finally felt confident to redo it again is when I actually got it. And I was so excited. Actually, everybody around me was super excited. It was just infectious. Sorry, that's after how many years of waiting? When was the first time you tried? Do you remember the year? So I got it in 2016. So I think the first time was in 2014 that I applied. Okay. And then the 2015, I skipped. 2016, I applied again. Yeah. You know, this life is very something. <laughs> you have to keep going at it. If you really want something, don't stop at the first failure. Try. You know, exactly the first try because... You never know what's on the other end. Your first try is probably you gearing up, getting all the information, getting prepared. 
And by the second time, you've got it. Even if they're the second time, you don't get it. The third time, it's a strike. You just go for it. And you never know. And if it doesn't work out, well, it didn't work out. But maybe that skill of applying and all those interviewing that you did will help you for another thing else, somewhere else again. But never give up on that goal. And the funny thing is the way life is, sometimes you would try something. It doesn't work out. You really wanted to get there. And before you realize, 20 years down the line, you are back at this thing, maybe as a professor, maybe as someone who is even interviewing people for this position. And I think that's, yeah. Life is so funny like that. Yeah. When I got it, I realized I was not prepared the first time I tried in that 2030, 2014 that I tried, I realized I was not prepared. And even if I did get it, I wouldn't have done as well as I did when I got it in 2016. So sometimes I think receiving rejections is just God's way of staring you to a certain place. And I know at that point I was pissed. You know how you get to a point and you're angry at God and saying, you said you will give me everything. Well, how come you did not give me this one? <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> When I got it in 2016, I was like, thank you. I know what I got it now and not before because I can confidently say I was not prepared. And even if I did go through, it wouldn't have ended up as it did when I did get it in 2016. So it was a journey, but it was an exciting one. You get to do your master's at a university of your choice in UK, a one-year master's at a university of your choice in UK. All expenses paid. So it was something that was not just amazing for me, but as well for my family. Because, you know, of course, every parent wants the best for their kids. And of course, we want to be able to see them grow and progress. So I know just the fact that I received that when I did, it was not only a gift for me. It was a gift for my entire family. You could see the pride in everybody. And that just got me more excited and wanting to achieve more, really. The way the life is, we need to always be prepared and we learn as we grow. If we don't put our feet into water, if we don't put our hands into things, we are never going to know. And that's why whatever stage of life you are in, wherever you are, just keep trying. I've gotten myself involved in a lot of reading from last year and it's gotten me into trying to get to know so many other things or involved in so many other things. And I'm just putting my hands into it, but I'm like, ah, I know I don't know how to do this very well. In fact, to even reach out to one of the people and be like, not that I'm quitting, I'm not, I'm not going to quit, but I'm like, I know the kind of person I am. The beginning is going to be a little slow. I might be just trying. And that time that you're trying, sometimes you have these negative thoughts and things in your head that you're not good enough, you're not great. But keep pushing. For me, it's about when I start, it's going to be slow. But once I get it, I'll be flying. <laughs> I'll be going ahead. And if you ask me to explain to you how to do it, I might be able to, I might not be, but I'll just be going with it. So you have to just start because even with Barabika's Corner, I feel like I'm not even up there like I would want to, but I have to keep pushing. I'm not going to say because I had one life or two lives. I can't do this anymore. No, I'm right here for the lights or how I'm impacting my community. The impact. Yeah. 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 So you have to keep trying until you get it. You know, you might not get it right. Even starting the business, you might not even get it right. Just make sure you have your research done and everything prepared. But you might not get it right at the first place, but you have to keep trying. You know, failure doesn't mean the end of the world. You have to just keep pushing. And talking about impacting your community I see that you are currently volunteering for Girls for the Future, a nonprofit organization where you're mentoring girls. Like, tell us about that. Girls for the Future started 2015 to 2016 is when it started. It was started by this really amazing lady, Priscilla. We see young girls around and sometimes you just know if they're at a certain journey or at a certain path, some things might change or you just wish that there's something you could 
impact in their lives that would just make them better in the journey that they are taking. So Girls for the Future tends to do that. It mentors young girls in different areas. So whether it's in health, whether it's in business, whether it's in dressing or just etiquette generally or in mental health, it just mentors girls in all these different topics. And the way it works is, of course, as a volunteer, you have to prepare materials around a certain topic and sort of guide the participants through that session. So it goes for three months. So each session lasts that long. For different sessions, you have different set of girls. So that's where I volunteer. I'm just giving my time really. All the volunteers are female, as is the founder. We are all female. And we just think sometimes it's easier to ask a question or to have the lead the girls be more comfortable if they feel like they're in a space with their sisters. We're not trying to be like a lecturer to a student. It's more like big sister, small sister relationship or sister-sister relationship. So we try to get the girls to really trust us. And you can also have a one-on-one mentorship with any of the ladies if they wish, where if they're going through anything, they can really reach out and just have somebody to talk to and that can give them advice. And there is also another aspect that offers skills training as well. Skills training sessions where you are trained on certain skills that can provide you revenue, I guess, as you grow the means of providing for yourself or your family. It's really an exciting group. I wish it could grow to a bigger size, but that's the plan. Yeah, that's really, really good. I'm glad to see how all these different communities and organizations are really growing in Gambia because we do need it and we can't wait for the government to do stuff for us. We have to take action on our own and just do stuff and be able to help the organizations, to help the country go forward because if we have to wait, we are going to be waiting for a very long time. And so I'm so happy to see that there are so many businesses, there's so many organizations. And I mean, mm-hmm. one, this has to be careful not to be copying and doing something because you saw somebody do it because you're not going to last in that field. I think that's why the work is cool, because I think that's why most of the organizations and clubs that I see being run now, I find them interesting because for those that I know, there's not many much like copy, copy. Maybe in the beginning there was, but you can really tell who's genuine in it by how long they've stayed in it. Yeah, it's a length, not even the starting point. It's how long you stay in, yeah. And the thing is, we all cannot reach out to every girl in the Gambia. You might be having the same ideas, but the girls that you are mentoring are different or the group that you have are different from whoever else is having their own girls and what they do and what they're teaching. Exactly. Again, it's the length of time people are able to stay in. It's not even just a starting point because someone will be like, I'm starting this. But did you just copy or did you just do it because you want to do something or did you just do it because you saw your friend doing this? So I'm really, really glad about this. I'm really, really glad that girls are just being encouraged, pushed to do so many things. Community work is so important. And I know this is the only community work you're doing, but tell us more about why it is so important to just be of help in different groups that you are involved in. I know people might think, oh, she has free time. That's why she does all she does. But really, that's not the case. Sometimes when I put my head on my pillow, I'm gone in like a second (laughs) because I'm exhausted. But it's not because there's free time. You know, when you just have something in your mind telling you, do this, or there's a way that you can help somebody really without breaking your back. I feel like if you have a skill or you have a desire or it's just something in you that you know, okay, I can help or I can join here or I can do this. Like, just do it. It might seem like a lot, but sometimes you don't know the impact that you have on other people and the impact those people have on you. I'm not going to say every group that I've joined, I've been the best and the most, because for me, it's always a humbling experience. 
as I'm in there and as I'm either contributing or as I'm talking, I get to see sometimes firsthand the impact that it makes. Or I get to see how I'm also learning from other individuals around me. For me, it's a two-way relationship. I offer up something, but I also get something else in return. Whether it's knowledge, whether it's friendship, whether it's just building a relationship, building a network. The more you give, the more you, you tend to receive. So one thing I tell people, if you're going to volunteer, do it with your whole heart. Don't do it with the assumption that, oh, I plan to receive this and that. Because I find that whenever I do that is when I'm able to really give more because I'm going in with no desire or no objective to receive anything back. But once I'm there, it just happens. The more you give, really, the more you just receive. And giving your time to help, it doesn't take much from you, really, because there's a certain level of fulfillment that you receive. As you do it, sometimes even when I'm tired and I want to say, no, I can't do it or I have a lot on my plate, there's always this part of me that say, just try, give a little and then see. And oh, even that little that I give, I find so much fulfillment in doing it. That is so true about giving and receiving because you are thinking, oh, let me just go and do this. Let me just go and do that. But the knowledge that you take out from there is probably even more than what you've even given. And probably you're thinking, oh, I gave money. But the knowledge you're gaining is more than money. The one thing about also stepping out in faith, yes, we are talking about community work and all of that. But even you stepping out to even be of help to another person is really stepping out on faith. You realize that there's a different realm you entered. Like there's something that you just enter into and you're like, wow, I didn't even know this. It opens your mind to so many other things that you become so exposed. And so if you just sit down there and just be like, I'm not going to do anything. I don't know what to do. You are losing a lot of things. And every day we are learning and growing. So getting your feet into those things, getting your hands doing something, you're going to find out that there's so much knowledge you're going to gain. There's, even though you're putting in your time, your effort, you're, you're going to be open to so many things that you never thought you'd be open to if you just sat down there. So never think that, oh, I'm sitting down here. I can't do anything. You're not going to learn anything. You're not going to grow. Sometimes it's even our character that needs to change. There's something that is in us that needs to be out of our system. It doesn't have to be here because of where God wants to take you, because of the next level you're going to. So if you're not getting your hands into some of these things, you're never going to know that character that needs to move out of the way, that anger that needs to be out, that skill that you need to learn. You'll never know. It's only when you enter into these communities and getting yourselves involved in some of these things that you get to know so many other things, maybe business, maybe entrepreneurship and then networking too. It's so, so good, like so important. You networking with other people, you get to learn from other people, you get to know more people. And so you get to find out that the place that you need to go or the next level that you need to go to is probably through somebody else. And that somebody else might be in that group that you have found yourself in. And so talking to that person, it could be a CEO of a company actually looking forward to applying in. And you realize that the CEO is there. You haven't, they're seeing your hard work. They're seeing you work. And you're like, I want to look for a job. I want to work here. And there you go, bang, like the networking there, like the connection is already been built. So if we just sit out at one place, you're never going to make it. But if you go in and say, you know what, I am going to do this. I just want to get myself involved, not because of what you might receive, but we're genuinely going into these things. You realize that there's so much more out there that if you connect with, connect with people, help others, there's so much they're going to receive that will take you different levels. And that's one thing about community work. Me starting Barrier Breakers Corner has opened my eyes to so many things. All this editing and graphic design. 
Oh my God. I'm just like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I get it. <laughs> you learn a lot from there. And because I want to grow Barrier Breakers Corner, I need to connect and network with other people. And so I see myself always like trying to find areas that I can fit in, areas that I can go in and areas that I can be exposed to so that I can learn more and grow so that I can help Barrier Breakers Corner become a better organization. So there's always something to learn and grow. Tell us about Crash, how you got into this is a lady like breaking barriers in everywhere, left, right, front, center. So <laughs> tell us about Crash. Crash, my little baby. <laughs> okay, so let me explain how we actually came about. I know for most people, it was really surprising, especially when they realized, oh, she started this and she's doing this. Like, there's really no connection. <laughs> connection at all. <laughs> I know. Now it's normal, I guess, because there's so many young people starting up businesses now, regardless of their full-time employment. So I think now it's becoming normal. The idea came about in 2018. The idea was this. When I went for my studies, it was around a time where the desire for, I wouldn't say herbs, I don't want to call it herbs, but these natural remedies was coming up in the UK. I'm sure it was there before, but around the time I was there is when I noticed it a lot. And it was quite surprising for me. When I walk into the store and I see something like Moringa powder or Moringa capsules, things like that. And I keep saying, wait, we have these back home. And the more I did as well, my final thesis, my research, the more I realized as well, there's so much potential in Gambia that is not being harnessed. Yeah. And we have so many resources that we can actually utilize and break borders, I guess, with the things that we have here in the Gambia. So initially I started researching. I don't know what took my mind to aloe vera, but I kept thinking of local remedies that people use. And when I was researching, one thing was, of course, knowing that whenever local remedies or local treatments are being used here in the Gambia, it's not regulated. In fact, not even really. People just take doses anyhow. And I started reading about these other alternatives. And I kept seeing Moringa and aloe vera kept popping up a lot. So I started researching more on aloe vera and the benefits it had. Whether you are ingesting it or whether you're applying it on your skin, it had so many remedies. And you'd even see records leading all back to ancient Egypt, showing how royalties would use aloe vera in their beauty regimens and even in their treatments, yeah. especially when it comes to skin irritation and all of that. So my first thought was, okay, is there any way, because there was also a record on how aloe vera can help patients with diabetes to regulate their blood sugar level. That was the initial thing that pinged in my mind. Because when I checked at that point, there was around 14,000 individuals in the Gambia that were registered with diabetes. Of course, this number is way smaller than what it actually is. 14,000 or 140,000. Now I can't remember the figure. But it was around that record of people with diabetes. And if anybody has a family member that has diabetes, especially an elderly person, you would kind of understand that the struggle that they usually go to just to get medicine here in the Gambia or just to get themselves treated or just to manage it. Yeah. So initially, that was the avenue where Krish was going, interestingly. Not many people know this. But of course, I am no scientist. I would not know how to safely administer. You're a science student, remember? <laughs> yes, but not a scientist. Yes. <laughs> not in that field, that area. I don't want to kill somebody's spirit because I want to test all of here. Then I started looking. Okay. In fact, a few people now would understand why I was asking them, oh, What's your degree in again? Because I was thinking maybe there's somebody I could talk to 
that we can maybe work together to see how this could work. But I mean, if there's anybody that can still do this, it would be marvelous. Finding ways where we can use our local herbs that have medicinal value to actually produce that, mass produce it, regulate it, manage it. Because mm-hmm. things are getting more expensive. And a lot of people have a huge Moringa tree at their house or they have aloe vera fruity everywhere or they have neem leaves. Almost every household in Gambia has one thing that has medicinal property. Almost every house. And that was not being harnessed. So I was like, okay, I can't find anybody that I can work with. And I definitely cannot do this by myself. So how about we start with something that I can manage? And that was using aloe vera as a skincare solution because it has a lot of medicinal properties. It helps with skin irritation, infections on the skin, especially if it's used with other ingredients as well. So I was like, okay, this is cool. So one thing that can be started is using it for skincare. And I started off with soap. So I would do my own research, how to make soap, how to make soap, how to make soap. I had a basic idea. For certain components, I didn't know. So I'm like, you know what, Kumbel, don't wing this. If you want to be serious about it, you have to learn about it. Yeah. So I actually took some time. I went to a place here in Gambia that was offering lessons on how to make the soap and how to mix the different ingredients. I went there, I got the lessons and I was able to start with the soap making. As we grew, we started introducing other bits. So we started off with soap. And after we introduced aloe moisturizing lotion, then after we introduced aloe hand cream, then after we introduced aloe oil. So now that's the set of skincare solutions. We have the soap, but the moisturizing, but the lotion, the hand cream and the aloe oil, and they come as a individual pieces or as a package. Oh, wow. And we've been using this as a individually or as a set. They each have its own benefits. The soaps, I try to diversify them and not just use just pure aloe. Mm-hmm. So we have aloe moringa, we have aloe turmeric, and we have oats and honey. We actually had milk and honey before as well, all with aloe vera base. But I'm like, come below, stretch yourself. Let's manage this properly. Unfortunately, we had to drop a few of the other soaps that we were testing. So I think for the first year or so, we spent it really testing out the soup, especially. Mm-hmm. I guess my family was really, if we want to call them guinea pigs at that point. <laughs> They were the ones that were listening. And I would say this, my dad was my biggest critique. Like every time I say this, people look at me like, really? But he was. And I did appreciate. In the moment when he's telling you, because my dad can be quite blunt. So when he's telling you, this soap, you know, they smell nice there. The soup not smelling nice. <laughs> Can't you just encourage me for one minute? Right. But every critique that he took, I took it upon myself to like fix it. And that's how we were able to get crashed to where it was. Because every time that I made a batch and then they he used it or everybody else in the house used it, he always came back with something. Feedback, And that's yeah. something, I think that I had to work on. Eventually, we were able to produce the final three, which is the Moringa aloe or the turmeric aloe and the Ozan honey aloe. His favorite was the turmeric aloe. Mm. So from his critique and their comments, I was able to refine the soap to what it is now. Once we did that and then we started selling slowly, Because whilst I was doing all of this, I'm still employed full time. Sometimes it was a challenge. I would not lie. At the beginning, I wanted to give up so many times because I was overwhelmed or I was tired. I would go to work nine to five or eight to five, come home, eat dinner. And then immediately after, well, it wouldn't be dinner. Sometimes I tend not to eat in the afternoon. So it's like dinner or lunch. And then right from there, I'd start making another batch of soup. And this would sometimes take me to like nine o'clock at night, at which time I just have a shower and After that, all you want to do is sleep. I kept repeating that often. At some point, I was overwhelmed and I almost gave up. Yeah. But I'm also grateful for the community of supporters that I had around me that were encouraging me. Even when sales were low, still encouraging me. Even when I wanted to give up, they were still encouraging me. And yes, we are where we are now. And I would not lie, we still get discouraged sometimes. (laughs) 
But I think the where we are now is a point where we just want to grow and we are not going back. So the journey for Crash has been an interesting one, to be honest. It has taken me to places I did not expect. I'm excited about the journey. One thing too that I would also want to mention is I know people will always have their dreams and their desires. And sometimes it may not fall in line with either the career you want to do or you want to pursue. It's not a limitation, I've realized. You wanting to build your career and you wanting to build a business, one does not have to cancel the other out. I want to be at a point where I can run the business solely. But until we get to that point, I'm happily and exhaustingly juggling both of them. <laughs> right. Here I am doing audit and doing a nine to five and having buyer breakers quarter. And I don't know. Sometimes my friends ask me how you do it. I don't know how I do it. Just the grace, right? And I remember there was two weeks ago, I was sitting down there. I had finished my work and then I had a class that I had to attend because I'm trying to learn some other things for myself. At five o'clock, I was on this and I had to also do a post for Brian Breaker's Corner. I was trying to get my blog together. Wow. I finished that class and I was going straight into the blog to write up and finish it. By the time I finished that day, my head was on 360 degrees. Like, what? I had a call like, can you do that? I was like, can we wait till tomorrow to do this? <laughs> I knew I was not going to be able to. I just wanted to go and sleep. And some days are like that. Yeah. So I know. it's not easy at the beginning. I don't even know what I even at the end. But at some point, you kind of find a way to balance it all out. And planning helps it all. That day, I knew I hadn't planned properly. Definitely knew that day that that blog could have been on another day. That was the last day. That was the deadline for it. And I knew I had to post it that day. But if I had planned myself properly, I wouldn't be so stressed out that day. So sometimes planning helps. Planning, yeah. Yeah, getting yourself together and knowing that this time I'm going to do this or this day I'm going to do this, that's going to help. Because if not, you're going to be so stressed and so stretched. So getting yourself planned and putting yourself together will really help you in that journey. So try not to put everything together. Yes, in the beginning, you're trying to find your balance. But once you do, try to plan yourself out so that you're able to do things properly. How did you come about with the name Crash? Uh, this is an embarrassing story. And it's not an exciting story. <laughs> I hate having to say this because people look at me like, Kubit, we are so excited about the name and this is how you came about it. But, okay, let's let the secret out. My name is Kumbel and Kumbel is spelled with a K. Mm -hmm. Okay. And you know, fresh. <laughs> fresh. Yes. F-R-E-S-H. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So I just removed the F and put the K. <laughs> Listen, fresh crash. <laughs> I know. Right? Now we know it's fresh with a K, please. My product line will make you fresh. And that fresh is crash. <laughs> yeah. Fresh with a K, please. Listen, this soap, oh the, the moisturizer is going to keep you fresh, but fresh with a K. We need to do an advert. Let's. <laughs> <laughs> no, people are going to make fun of me if I just. No, 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 no. No, this is oh fresh. This is product. It helps you. It's aloe vera based and it helps you keep fresh, but it's fresh with a K. How about that advert? <laughs> now. <laughs> but yeah, that's how it came about. Because I was writing names out. I was writing fresh. I was writing words that I think should be, you know, affiliated to the product. So I was writing fresh, and clean, healthy, like all these weird names. I'm really not good with coming up with names. Honestly, it takes me a while. But when it comes, it comes. I guess that's how it is. I was writing fresh. And I think right next to it, I had a paper with my name on it or something like that. And I kept looking at my name and I kept looking at Fresh. I kept looking at my name and I kept looking at Fresh. Like, you know what? Crash that's it is. <laughs> yeah, that's the way. You know, when I thought about Crash, I was thinking about 
I don't know what that's the name they call it, but you know when the kids are going to daycare yes. or something, it's, it's called crash. crash, right? Yeah. Yes, so I was yes. thinking it's something that to do with kids or something, not with soap. Yeah. It really it doesn't at all. <laughs> it's fresh with a K. Listen, we got fresh it. With a K. Exactly. <laughs> and it's fine. <laughs> that's how we spell fresh in this area. <laughs> So I mean, it worked and people seem to like it. I love it. I actually love it. <laughs> so it's stuck. It's stuck. Yeah, I like it. I like it. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> what has been your challenges? I spend so much time at work. I can't, of course, invest an equal amount of time in the business. And I know people would say, oh, then invest in your business. But that investing in my business needs money. <laughs> I guess it's from the nine to five I'm getting it from because the business started off from just money that I was making. And that's what I invested into the business. So one of the challenges was making up time, like you said, planning properly so I can keep focus on it. Second challenge was penetrating into the market because now there's so many organic skincare products out in the market. And as you know, Gambia is quite small. The market is quite small. So all these businesses are really struggling for the same market size. Mm -hmm. So if you're not really able to get in people's faces, you wouldn't be known, which is something we've put in our plans from last year to this year. So I think we've been doing a good job towards the end of last year to this year. So that's just getting out there, making our products known. And other thing as well, sometimes it's finances. If you want to expand to a certain point, I mean, there's only so much I can pump from my own personal funds into the business. At some point, there has to be a cutoff period, which we have established now. Thankfully, now the business is able to stand on its own and does not require as much personal investment for me. I'm quite happy about that achievement. And also sometimes I think access to information or just guidance, really. For somebody like me, I didn't have a business background. So it's something I had to learn as I go. So I've stumbled a lot over the past few years. And even though there are so many trainings that they give out, but maybe something specialized to my own need I've not received. I think sometimes just somebody that is by your side to just guide you. If somebody gives you financial support, you still need guidance, how to pump that money back in and make sure that the business grows with the finance that you have received. So yeah, it's been the planning, expanding finances and guidance, really like a mentor that is on your neck <laughs> to see you through. And I guess another work challenge is trying to break out of Gambia. I always advocate this for either my friends that I know how we can really get out of Gambia. Because even though we all love our country, but the way to grow really because of the limit size of the market that we have in the Gambia is really to break out. And that is not even just breaking the barrier for you, but it's also breaking barriers for the Gambia as a country or as your community. Because imagine if all the micro businesses or all the organic products that we have in the Gambia are being shipped out yeah. to big countries, whether it's other African countries or European countries or the Americas, it's being shipped there and it's doing well, then the Gambia does well. Because they are going to say, oh, this product is from the Gambia, not this product, it's Kumbel's product. The challenges are multifaceted. As you break one, you get to something else. Yeah. We are overcoming them slowly. You'll get there. And it's based on just continuing to connect and network with other people. And you realize that there'll be that opening that will come for you to, to explore yeah. into other markets. What lessons are you learning throughout this process or in life? For one, the circle of support that I have. Or the circle of support that one has is as important as the time you invest in whatever you're doing. And I know at different points in my life, I could have given up either whether it's my career or whether it's my business or whether it's your mental health, just anything. But the support system that you have around you is important. 
Another lesson I've learned is trusting yourself and your instincts and your capabilities is equally as important as well. Because there's only so much you can influence and there's only so much you can do outside of yourself or you can be in control of. Yeah. But one thing you can always count on, I guess, is yourself as well. So being self-aware, I guess, is also something I've learned along the way. Either being able to walk by myself or being able to walk in a team, both are equally important. Mm -hmm. Learning as you go, learning in different stages is also important. Don't just think that the skill you gathered or the knowledge you gathered in your classroom suffices. I mean, learn in different phases of your life. Try to get new knowledge or a new skill is equally important. In Gambia, it's really important, I guess, to possess a skill as well and to have a certain level of knowledge or information to help you and your family. Because I know when I was learning to do the soap, mm -hmm. I went to that place like right after I finished my studies and I came back. Most people didn't even know that I was around by then. Yeah. So I went to this place to learn how to make soap. And somebody that I knew from days of university came in with their partner. I was actually washing up, I think, the bowls that we were using. Mm -hmm. Some of the devices we were using, like, and I had this big wrapper around my waist. And I was bending down and washing this soap. So when the person came in, because people usually go to this place like or for excursions, like a field visit or a field trip and that type of stuff. So when they came in, they saw me. It's like, first they were thinking about, like, come in. What are you doing here? And I was like, yes. I could see the look in his eyes. Like, is this what you have come? Don't do. Something like that. Are you in being done? <laughs> exactly. I think that's what they thought. And in their mind, they'll be like, if this guy is not from UK, they are myself. What is she doing here? But I realized that look could have been a turning point for me because it could have just as easily been, oh, I'm looking at you in a condescending tone. So clearly what you are doing is beneath you or something like that. I mean, I could have taken that way and walked away from that journey because I could see the smirk in his face when he saw me doing that. I was both sad and amused at it. Sad at the fact that somebody's really trying to get a new skill. And sometimes that skill might not be the norm or might not be what you expect of that person, but it's still a skill. But I'm glad that that point did not really phase me. So sometimes you will get into a situation or situations that you don't like mm -hmm. or are not comfortable. That could be a turning point for you as well, knowing whether you should continue or move back. So these things will come up. So you really have to be aware of who you are really and stand your ground, I'd say. What do you know now that you wish you had known when you were younger? That my options are limitless. Going to school then, the only ambition was doctor, nurse, lawyer, or accountant. I think maybe that's why sometimes these places that I volunteer to is important as well, because you need to explain and show that these are not the only things you can do. There's so much more, so much more that is available. And as long as you have internet, really, you have access to all of these. Right. Well, internet and money. <laughs> But you have access to all of this. I think one thing I wish I did know is that my options are limitless and that I can really do anything. My parents really did not give me that barrier, I guess, or did not give us that barrier that you cannot do anything. But I guess based on our education system and the community, we, I felt like it's only this. Yeah. It was interesting when I traveled to do my master's and I saw I was friends with this young lady who was doing biology then as a bachelor's degree. And then she said, after that, she wanted to do medicine. So after that, she was also going to school to do something else. When you go there and you start seeing interesting causes on whether it's technology management, 
or gaming, game development or sports law or something related to that. Like there's so many options out there, but I just wish I knew that earlier so I could prepare my mind earlier for, yeah. you know, the joint. Yeah. But now we are here, we are on the podcast. Information is out there and people get to know that there's so many other things they can get in, so many, yeah. involved in. But then the only way you would know is just taking a step. If you sit down, then you're never going to know and you just be limited. So you just have to go into it and do and getting ourselves all involved in all of these things and seeing how the market is growing in Gambia as well. There's going to be more money flowing, then there's going to create more job opportunities for other people as well. So I'm really happy that this is happening and I'm seeing that, but also don't sit there and feel like it's hard or you can't do it. But you see that there's so many opportunities that are going to be out there and you're going to be able to create more jobs opportunities for other people earning money instead of just staying at home or just being maids here and there or selling random stuff that might not even bring them anything, but at least it will help them grow and help them be better. What advice have you gotten for somebody who feels life is hard? I can't do this. I cannot go out there and do anything. I can't bring barriers. What advice have you got for them? The first thing is life is hard. <laughs> but the fact is we can't get away from that. I know sometimes you feel like you can't do much or you can't go past a certain barrier. But just because you said that should be incentive why you should break it. Because you should want to know what you're capable of. Because if we all sat and said life is hard and we don't want to do certain things, nobody will progress at this point. In fact, the earth will probably be destroyed because everybody is just in their corner not doing anything. So I know sometimes it's hard and sometimes maybe you're feeling something mentally or emotionally, but it's important to first recognize that life is hard. We don't live by dwelling in the fact that life is hard because if you keep thinking it's hard, it's hard, you're not going to live your life. And if you plan on living your life, you should be able to burst out of that bubble. It's a process and the process is different for everybody. Yeah. People go through so many things. I know losing people close to me has really affected me at some point in my life. But I realized life is hard. But if I want to live, I need to burst out of that bubble. If I want things to change, I need to do something. Because people can only do so much for you. Sometimes you are the one that needs that push to do it. So it's hard, I know. But just take one step out and see. Don't give up. Just take that step. It's always going to be hard. But as you grow, we are learning, we are connecting, you're doing more. And you find that it might get easier. And I mean, life happens all the time. Things will come your way. Like Kumbel said, she's lost people in her life and it had devastated her. And some of these things, it can just throw you off and you might not want to continue again. But you realize that you have to keep pushing. And if you want to break barriers, you have to keep pushing and striving. It might get easier, like I said, at some point, but you have to break out of that thing that is making you feel like it's hard. You have to take that step. And then you get to that point where you're like, you know, I love this. I know that it comes with struggles. I am going to have to push. I'm going to have to grow. But I like the challenges and challenges make me better. You realize that you'll be saving at some point and connecting with other people. Mm -hmm. And Kumail has a blog too. Can you tell us about that? <laughs> this is a blog that has been on and off for years. So I get this urge to write and then the urge just dies. It's like, if you check the dates on this blog, they're so... <laughs> I wish I should be serious about, I know. But like you said, it's about planning and putting things in order. So I just have to 
put this as part of the schedule. But yeah, yeah, I started it in 2017, I believe. First off, it was just to document my journey through the Achieving Scholarship. And then now, I think it's just something like every time some things go to mind, or I wish to share something to just go up there and just pour it out. Because sometimes the best way to get out of your head, I guess, is to just write things down. So it's called In My Little Corner. It's not been active. So since this is your area, I'll come to you for more motivation to keep it going. Please do. Please do. <laughs> I still have to write. I know I just did 28 barrier breaking moves on my YouTube, but I want to put it into a book so then it's also out there for me to read and just a summary for it. I do get ideas to write. The reason why my blog is still active is because whenever we do a podcast, I always have to do a summary because when people don't listen to the podcast, some people prefer to read. So I have to do a summary of this interview and then put it on the podcast. Yeah. So that's why my blog is still going. <laughs> <laughs> if not, whatever I have to write, it's long gone. But I have ideas to write. I just have to create time for them as well to be able to put other stuff on there. But when I did start the blog, I was having things to write about. What's keeping it going right now is this podcast. <laughs> well, at least something's keeping it going. That's good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Kumdeo, tell us where people can find you. So if they want to buy your products and connect with you and all of that. Currently, we have Crash. GM on Twitter, we're on Instagram and on Facebook with the same name, K-R-E-S-H-G-M. So you can just follow us and we're quite responsive. So if you have any questions, you want to reach out on where you can get our products or even just speak to us directly, you can just follow any one of these pages and we'll be available. Awesome. And then your blog is in my little corner, right? Yeah. So it's in my little corner. Corner is with a K. <laughs> Me and the K is again. In my little corner with a K dot wordpress.com okay that's good if you follow me i might be more motivated to keep writing that is if it's good enough so if you are there please don't judge my recipe <laughs> leave a comment on the blog as well so that she's encouraged to write some more <laughs> thank you so much for being on here do you have any final words you want to say just thank you for having me i feel very privileged to have been invited on your platform i know <laughs> i said it's probably the third time i'm saying it <laughs> But just thank you to everybody else. Just keep moving one day at a time. Keep moving one day at a time. Thank you so much. Today is Kumbel's birthday and I had already asked her to be on here. She told me it was her birthday and I was like, oh, I was feeling bad about it. But she was like, so gracious to be on here. I was so grateful that you are here. Happy birthday, Kumbel. Wishing you many, many more years and may you continue to prosper. May God continue to open doors for you. And even as you desire to go into different markets around the world, I pray. I can't wait to see you in China, in US, in UK, like just going everywhere with Crash. <laughs> Fresh with a K. <laughs> That's my favorite for today. <laughs> Thank you so much for being here. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to the Barrier Breakers Corner podcast. If you liked what you heard, please give us a five-star review and subscribe to the show wherever you listen to your podcast. Also, share with those you think can benefit from this information. Please email all questions, suggestions, and compliments to the BB Corner Podcast at gmail.com. The Barrier Breakers Corner Podcast is produced by the Podcast Laundry Production Company and executive produced by Joyce Donkor. The podcast music was written by Chidi Omenihu and produced by Andy Official in the Gambia, West Africa. Cause they-